We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. I literally thought you were making a Game of Thrones reference. Jesus. I know who John Starks is. <laughs> but I just heard Stark and I was like, I think that's Game of Thrones. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 479, brought to you by Indeed.com and Bet Online. The Yankees are going to the playoffs, Scott. It was not a sure thing in the beginning of September. For a brief moment, we thought they were going to collapse and crumble, and 2020 was going to be something none of us ever talked about. It was almost a complete disaster. Almost <laughs> a complete disaster, but they turned it around. They turned Thankfully, it around. Thankfully, they turned it around. A nice little 10-game streak in there will, will, will certainly put like a, you know, just a nice little pivot and then go back the other way real quick. Yeah, a 10-game 10 10 game winning streak almost completed the 10-game undefeated season against Boston. I thought they were going to get there because it seemed like even on Friday night, they were down late in that game. But the Boston pitching is just, you know, they're going to blow it. You know that the, the Red Sox, who are the worst team in the, one of the worst teams in the league, are going to find a way to lose it. And that extra innings, you've talked about, you've said the extra inning rule has taken the drama out of extra innings for you. I don't know. That Friday night game was pretty fun for extra innings back and forth. Even when you scored, you couldn't relax because you knew the Red Sox had a scoring opportunity in the bottom of the 
of their inning. Okay. So I thought that was a pretty exciting extra innings. More exciting than nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. Oh, finally someone hit a solo home run. Yeah, it was a great example of it not being exciting, actually, because of the fact that you can just move a runner over and then have a ground ball and this game is tied. Woo. Like that's that's not fun. That's it's just there's no you didn't earn getting there. So I mean I, I see what okay, you're saying. You didn't earn it, but yeah, but with the way baseball is today. That's part of it. With the way baseball is today, no one manufactures runs. So no one gets a walk and then bunts him over and then gets a base hit. Like that doesn't happen anymore. So it's, extra innings are boiled down to who's going to be the first team to hit a solo home run. That's what extra innings have been for I the mean, past couple that's years. That's kind of still what it is. There's barely even even these, these guys struggle to manufacture a run when there's a runner starting on second base because <laughs> they're not so, equipped to do it. So, the only so guy who the could difference? move a runner was DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu was up there, and I was like, "Watch, he's going to put on a clinic and moving the runner to third base." And he did, and they couldn't get that <laughs> runner in from third base. But that's ne- neither here nor there. It's it's bad, but it, it is what it is. It was it was uh, it was more exciting than. You know, so the other, I feel like that was the most exciting. I even want to call it overtime. It's like not even extra innings. It's just, it's, it feels like overtime. It's just such a yeah. weird gimmicky thing. I just, I'm sorry. I don't like it. All right. I don't know what well, to tell you. Well, it's not going to be in the playoffs. So I, you don't have to worry. Thankfully, about it. I'm just hoping it's not going to, I'm not going to see it in future seasons. Yeah. I mean, that's a discussion for another time of uh, the extra inning rule. <clears throat> and if you want to see it, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, the classic five-hour Yankee-Red Sox game. It doesn't matter if the teams are good, the teams are bad, one team sucks, one team is going to the playoffs. Five-hour Yankee-Red Sox games will always happen. I mean, that was ridiculous. The, how long that game was, and just it was the slowest, just uh, just plodding along game. And then, and then you have these overtime slash extra inning rules. But they did it, and you're right. They almost pulled off the, uh, the, the season sweep, <clears throat> almost really just – Kept kept this uh kept this really long streak against the Red Sox going too. I mean that that's that's a beautiful thing. Almost forgot about it coming into the season, like how you know that they're just dominance over the Red Sox. Yeah, we talked about this at the beginning of the year that the the rivalry is not exciting when one team sucks. No, it's not fun at all. It's it's actually not even in my mind at yeah. all. The only time like, it came into my mind was when they were talking about Davy Garcia's belt. That's the only time it popped into my mind. Right, because his idol was Pedro. But, yeah, you think of a Yankee-Red Sox game in late September at Fenway Park. You look at that on the calendar, whether it's a 60-game calendar or a 162-game, you're like, oh, man, you circle that series. That's going to be tough. That's going to be for the division. That's going to decide who's going to the playoffs. That And, Frank, that's how I like this. I like that better than just the Yankees rolling in there, and it doesn't matter if they win or lose because this team this team stinks. You can't muster up hatred on a, on a game that has no emotion. Or who are these players? Or how much who, you uh, you know? Who you are those Red Sox players? You just don't care. You don't care about the the other team. You have to have that emotional tie. That emotional, you know, they have at some point that team has either had to try to hurt you or has hurt you, and this team. Just doesn't. There's they're non-threatening. Yeah, and he, I mean they have a couple guys, Devers, Bogarts, who I think are going to be there for sure. a long time. But it's not like either of those guys have done anything to to wrong the Yankees. I guess Devers hit that home run off Chapman a couple years ago, but eh, whatever. I don't dislike either of those players. No, not yet. Ben Attendee was the guy that was starting to get to that point. It feels like it feels like Chavis could get to that point if you were Verdugo's ever, annoying. If you were ever a good player. 
There, yeah, there's, grew, there's some opportunity. Grew. There's some opportunities there, given some success and given them, you know, like figure out their their pitching staff. But if they don't do that, then I don't really see how we can even give them the, th- uh, the time of day with with our emotional hatred. Yeah. So I got yeah, too I much. Don't... I got too much invested right now in in Tampa. Still a little left over in Houston. Um, but mostly, ask you mostly to Tampa, I'd say, because the Yankees. Let's say the Yankees play Houston somehow. I I don't know if the seeding can work out where the Yankees would meet Houston. I think they could meet them in the division series if things if things. No, they couldn't in the division series. I don't know if the Yankees play the the Astros in the playoffs this year. How are you approaching this? Because there's no fans there. They, they have they haven't played them at all this season. The sign stealing stuff feels like it happened another lifetime ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I still really, really want to beat them badly. And when as soon as I see Bregman's face in the playoffs, it's going to it's gonna bother me. So um, Bregman's one of those guys who just, like, clicks for me. Just immediately, there's an immediate hatred turned on. And, uh, and if we're playing them, yeah, no, it's going to be, I think it's still going to be intense watching those games from home. And I think that on the field, none of that, what you just said, as far as, like, the fact that there's no stand, no fans, they haven't played them in a little while, the cheating thing feels like a long time ago. I don't think it probably does to those guys on the field. I, I bet. I bet you're as right. soon as you step onto those, uh, you know, you cross that line, and and there are uh, a playoff stakes at, at you know at, at the uh, in the game, then it's going to turn right back on. So it's also not going to be at Yankee Stadium or at Minute Maid Park. It's going to be at San Diego or Los Angeles, which is also going to add another layer of weirdness. Sure, but the emotion and the you know, everything tied to that game between the players is very real and it's going to be there. And as a Houston player, you're like, oh, it's been so long. It's, you know, damn well when you walk in <laughs> against the New York Yankees, how that directly affected the Yankees and their history potentially and what they could have done in that year. So there is a very, very tumultuous relationship there. Just, just walking out, you know it. Yeah, so. and they might not play him this year in the playoffs. It, 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 that's probably the likely, likely scenario that they don't. So the next time they play them will be May of 2021 at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, unless the Yankees take care of business and Houston takes care of business and they do play each other. TCB. <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't that used to be like a, something people would say like in the early 2000s, I feel like? TCB? Anyway. It take care of business. Oh, I think you just made that up. I've never heard anybody say no, TCB. People know I didn't TCB. Make that up. You, you definitely just threw me off right there. I had no idea what you were talking about. The Yankees TCB'd against the. the <laughs> I was like TBD. TBD. What? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I guess both of us didn't get a lot of sleep last night. The Yankees completed the sweep of Toronto. That was a big series coming into it because Toronto was up in the standings when they entered the Bronx last week. And the Yankees just wiped the floor with them, outscored them by a thousand runs. The Yankees pitching locked it down every single game. Everyone's excited about the back-to-back-to-back home runs and then the back-to-back home runs. Chase Anderson, I don't know how you continue to be a professional baseball player after that. Shame on the manager. Shame on Toronto's coaching staff for allowing a guy to give up five home runs in one inning. Because that that's gotta be demoralizing. It's really bad. I I didn't feel bad for him for whatever reason in the moment. I think I was just I was just uh, I couldn't believe what was going on here. And but yeah, when you look back, 
I, I don't know how the I don't know how as a Toronto coaching staff you leave that guy out there. Really, I mean, it's just it's bad. You got to give him out after the fourth. So he gives up the back to back to back. He gets Aaron Hicks out. Stanton hits a ball to the freaking subway tracks. You got to take him out after that. You're not even giving Glaber the opportunity to take him deep. For sure, you know it's um it's 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 really one of those it's one of those things I tweeted out how you know embarrassing it would be if uh, Glaber didn't hit a home run right here and then he just <laughs> tanked one. <laughs> it was probably one of my most fun tweets I've ever tweeted ever because of the of what happened right after instant gratification. It was amazing, yeah. <laughs> so it's the first time it ever happened in Major League Baseball history because no manager leaves their pitcher out there to give up five home runs in one inning. There's a reason it's never happened, and it's all great. It's fun. Yankees hitting a ton of home runs. The Yankees offense was on fire. But the reason they were on a 10-game win streak, the reason they swept the Blue Jays is because they had back-to-back-to-back seven-inning starts in that series. I mean, I I understand. You score 20 runs, you score 15 runs, you're going to win. But that pitching, now we're talking. Now you can envision a scenario in the playoffs with no off days, meaning four, if not five starters are going to need to take the mound at some point. These guys are going into the sixth and the seventh inning. Okay, now this team is capable of winning. I mean, look, you're you're right. You tweeted that out from uh, from Yankees podcast talking about, yeah, the runs were there. All these runs are sexy and fun and, and, and all that. But when you get a guy that goes deep into a game and then you have that consistently happening and they're, and they're throwing seven innings plus. Now you have a rested bullpen that, that becomes that much more dangerous because they're actually playing to their potential and not overused and worked and exhausted uh, and, and are, you know, can be sharp. Uh, it changes the, it changes the complete complexion of the game. It changes the setup of the game. It changes everything when you have a pitcher that's actually going deep. The, the funny thing for me is like in a, in a regular season, 2019, whatever regular season here. Do you think that these guys are even allowed to get into the, you know, into the seventh inning at this point, you know, given the, given the situations, given like who's up in the, in the lineup or um, it just seems like there was a, a little change in, in, uh, in the way and in an approach. And then they're like, Oh, you know what? We're going to let them go out. We're going to continue to this let these year, guys go mean- out. Yeah, for just even that even that run of, of guys going into the seventh inning. like I feel like that never could have even happened last year, even if guys were going well. Well, I don't know about last year, but I think in the first, say, six weeks of this year, they were definitely taking the approach of we're, we're not pushing starters because we don't want to risk injury. Even and last year, like they were not letting Tanaka go that deep. It's just... It, it felt different who, to me. Who on the staff last year did they really have that, that you could push deep. I mean, Tanaka was one if if the game was going perfectly for him. But Tanaka had so many games last year where he would be cruising and then all of a sudden the fourth inning he hits a wall and he gives up two two-run homers and you're like, "Well, okay, what happened here?" The Severino was not the Severino. Actually, Severino was hurt last year. I'm forgetting who was hurt last year. He was out for a lot of the year. Paxton didn't really figure his shit out until the second half of the season. Montgomery wasn't there. Jay Happ was, Jay Happ was Happ, brilliant, brilliant in the second half. Happ stunk for most of the year. <laughs> talk about Jay Happ, Mr. 3.25 ERA. Jay oh, I can't, I can't wait to talk about Jay Happ. Uh, so there wasn't really a starter that you're like, 
yeah, we're gonna push him. Herman, you don't don't forget about Domingo. But, but get, uh, my, really, to my point is like before the before we started getting into the seventh inning and before the streak happened of guys getting deep, they didn't get deep. Nobody got deep into the games either. So it's like it all of a sudden happened, and they're like, it's "Oh, chicken or the egg scenario, though." Is it because but let's the, the, let's, the, let's let them go? Let's let's let all of them go now. Let's just let's okay. Let's just let them all go. And I'm. I'm I'm not complaining. I'm I'm very happy with it. I like the fact that they they push it a little bit because I think this is how you actually develop, you know, a starting rotation. But the um it's it seems like a little bit of a different mindset. And maybe that's the opponent, maybe that's the September schedule, who knows. There's there's some other things that I think at play here and the fact that they literally have nothing else. It's like almost backs against the wall. Okay, fine. You can go out for the 6th inning. Okay. I know you're you're at 80 pitches. Fine. You can go out for the 6th <laughs> inning. How, how how full is your tank, yeah. Tanaka? How full is your, no? But the bullpen was is supposed to be the best, most complete unit on the team. That's how it's built, and it suffered injuries. Guys have been inconsistent. They blew a lot of g- games in that five and fifteen stretch. The bullpen actually blew a lot of those games. So the Yankees, Boone and Cashman and Matt Blake are looking at it, and they're like, "Well, we've tried going to the bullpen in the sixth inning, fifth inning every night." It's not working. So let's try this. Props to them. That's but don't that's, keep but that's don't so keep crazy. trying the same thing. What do you mean? Yeah, it's so crazy. But the but their they, strategy. I think they, they don't want to do this. I think they want to win by having their pitchers go five innings and then their bullpen go four. Okay, innings. so I that, think that's how they this, want to win. You're, they do. This begs the question. Now, this it, it, you're absolutely right. It begs the question. The way that the team is constructed, this is how they want to win. They want to win by personalizing the game, by putting their own stamp on it, by getting individual guys in there at the end and making it you know that much more difficult for everybody to watch. But it wasn't working that way because people in the back of the bullpen were not doing their job. Yeah. Now you got guys who are like, okay, their pitch count's not up, but I probably would pull them right about now. But the guys in the bullpen are not doing their job as well. So let's see what happens. Let's roll the dice. Because it's got to be going against the numbers. Well, the pitch counts have been steadily rising. And it's also, I think, partially due to the injuries and the weird uh, spring training number one and then summer camp. You're not going to push guys over 100 pitches after all of that, you have to ease them into it. I think that's the strategy they've taken. I don't know if it's the right strategy. We've seen other teams push their pitchers sooner. Paxton got injured, but I, I think Paxton was going to be injured. Paxton's an injury guy, right? So he's just going to be injured because that's his that bad that's body. Just, that's part unfortunately. of his <laughs> Yeah. That's just part but, of his game. Know, it's, bad, it's just unfortunate for James Paxton that he's an injury-prone guy. But for uh, especially like a guy like Devi Garcia, who's never pitched in the majors before, you're, you're going to ease him into it. You're going to gradually bring him up. Tanaka. But Davey Garcia is probably one of the guys that I'm most surprised at that that they've let pitch as long as he has, to be honest. And, and I, he's I was a, surprised. He's a massive... shining example of how it's, it seems like there's been a little knob turn in the strategy because – they never let young guys pitch that long. And and consistently when they're coming out on every fifth day, like have the ability to get that deep into a game, especially a kid that's 5'9 and, you know, a buck 60 or whatever, like a stiff breeze could blow him over. The old Yankees would say, this guy's not, we're not going to let him exert. Uh, five I, innings, no matter how many pitches yeah, he's thrown. Five right. innings, take him out. There's a limit. There's a there's some kind of a number. But the Yankees but, have but been- they felt it. They saw what he does. They saw what the the way that he's rolling, and they go with it. Like 
Except for Sunday. Against Except for Sunday. Yeah, yeah. A scrub Sunday. Scrub that Sunday did not count uh, in the Davy, uh, the meter. But the thing of, you have to, it's just, it, it, there seem, there is seemingly a, sh- a, sh- a slight shift. And maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's like to get through because of the, um, the fact that they had been struggling. But the guys in the bullpen are, they're healthy again, you know, except for Tommy Canely. They're they're back to a, to you know probably the the best form they've been in a while. So it seems like a strategy. Well, the uh, you asked it, it can't be going with the numbers. You, the raw numbers say take a starter out before he gets to the third time through the order, and then you have Chad Green and you have Zach Britton and you have Raldis Chapman. You have Adam Adovino. You 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 go you line those guys up innings six through nine. Because their numbers for three, four, five batters are beautiful. And I get that's the numbers. And that's why they want to win that way. But what I think the numbers don't show is on any given night, Adovino or Chad Green or Zach Britton or Araldis Chapman could have a bad day. Sure. And if they have a bad day and you're in a one run or a two run game, well, that might blow the game. And that's what we saw happen in that five and 15 stretch. One of them or two of them had a bad day and it, and it was and it cost some games. And that's what we've seen in the playoffs is one of them has a bad day or one of them gets into trouble. OK, so Adam Adovino puts a couple runners on base. That means you have to bring Chad Green in in, in Adam Adovino's inning. And then that means you have to bring Zach Britton in in Chad Green's inning. And then you have to bring a Rawls Chapman in for a five out save. And it's a it's a it's a trickle down effect. And if it doesn't go perfectly, you probably lose. So do you think part of this is is them uh, you know, looking to see that a guy's going well in a given game, right? And they want to rest their bullpen a little bit more, knowing what's coming up with the, the postseason. I think the no off days has a huge factor in this. Yeah. Because they realize our starters need to go deeper in the games because our bullpen can't pitch five, six, seven days in a row. It's just not possible. So that it's not physically possible because of that? But but isn't that kind of a microcosm of the of, of the way that the seasons have gone the past couple of years and how they've managed it? They should look at that data and look at that mindset and and just use it moving forward and not overwork the the bullpen and and help the um, the starting rotation get deeper. Because overworking it, the bullpen is definitely on their radar because they don't pitch guys three days in a row. But it doesn't. But it's, but it's overall fatigue. It's, it's, it's macro fatigue. It's fatigue yes. over a season is more the point. And when you get to the the playoffs now. I mean, granted, you pay 162 games, you're not going to have the majority of people are not going to be at full strength. Everybody's a little dinged up at that point in some way. But, you know, if you're if you're imploring the strategy, if you're using the strategy, deploying the strategy, (laughs) imploring, deploying the strategy, then theoretically you're building up your starters a little bit more. You have just the mindset's a little different where, you know, the starter knows that he has the ability to go back out there and fight against the third time through the lineup. I don't know, man. It's just a, a different strategy uh, when, when you come to that in a different mindset, I think, as a player, too. And I think it's a healthy one for this team. Because if you give that bullpen one more inning, one more inning, right, all year long, you just if the, if the numbers work out to it's not the average start isn't isn't five innings or four and a third or whatever it is, but it's into the sixth inning. It's it's a, it's a six inning game. Let's just call it that. To me, now you're saving a lot of bullets for the end of the game. You're you're building up a lot more um, confidence in your rotation, and then you're also giving the ability for the guys in your pen to not just get destroyed and overworked and brought into every single game. It, that 
it's the, the cumulative workload is a factor and you're also decreasing the variables within the game which is which is that one guy might not have a good but but that's game. but that's where the Yankees have been okay with they've they've been fine with 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 um dying on the bullpen guy rather than dying on the the home run ball uh, at the back of a start well i think there's also <laughs> there's also it, it varies game to game where if if it's a if it's a one run game and tanaka's out there in the 6th inning and he's at 87 pitches maybe you pull him but if tanaka's out there in a four run game at 87 pitches you probably don't pull him but no matter what it seemed like the last couple of years the yankees would would pull their starter at at that point right but in a one, but in a one run game sometimes you got to pull him sometimes it just doesn't work out sometimes sure, you sure, bring sure. in given, chad given green a baseball with situation, a one run lead and it doesn't work given out given a baseball situation in a in a particular matchup Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. That that's 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 kind of bucking what we're talking about as far as the point. That's the exception. If we're, but overall strategy wise, you nailed it. They would pull him. That's the strategy. If a given situation called for something else and the and everything lined up beautifully, and and you know it was it was ex- the ideal scenario, they would keep him in. But that just didn't happen very often. So you said a, a, a switch was flipped. And it was kind of flipped when uh, a flip to me a switch is flipped on and off like a circuit on and off. To me, this was like a dial. You know, they, they get twenty five percent up to like fifty percent. Like they they turn the knob a little bit so that the strategy was tweaked. Yeah, I think they probably the, the nerd department probably had a formula that said on when each pitcher reaches this number of innings under their belt, then you can start turning the knob an extra five percent, ten percent. Seriously, I think I think that the knob was. The knob was guarded by a nerd. Someone else g- gave a backhand to the nerd, slapped the nerd across the room, and turned the dial. That's what I think happened. Okay. Whoa. Get out of my way. I'm turning the dial. I that's I think Phil Nevin walked into the walked into the nerd room, busted some people up, and turned the goddamn no- dial. That's what I think I, happened. I think that when the nerds see Phil Nevin coming into the room ready to give them wedgies, yeah. they all have a panic attack. And it's like someone press, someone presses a red button and it just locks down the room so Phil Nevin can't kick the door down and just give swirlies to all the nerds. And, <laughs> Phil, Nevin, Phil Nevin is their worst nightmare. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. That's how the knob got turned in my, in my, <laughs> in my mind. Uh. And then on the offensive side, it was it was a, a little frustrating that the Yankees scored all those runs and then went to Fenway and seemed seemed to forget how to hit for that uh, that Friday night game. But they did come back. Gary Sanchez, I had, eye test versus nerd test will be about Gary Sanchez. Yeah, we need to talk about him. All right. So do you want to do eye test versus nerd test right now? We could talk about Gary Sanchez. I mean, sure. The nerds so, just got backhanded and and or are, 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 you know have yeah. bruised confidence from Phil Nevin. Let's talk about them. So would you agree? That Gary Sanchez looks a lot better at the plate recently. Yes, I will agree. So he had a huge night Friday night. He had the double uh, in, I believe it was the seventh inning to get them close. And then he had the game-tying home run um, in the ninth inning uh, missile over over the green monster to to, to tie the game. Probably the, the most, uh, the biggest hits of his season. I guess you could say the grand slam off of the Mets and extra innings. But as you so aptly pointed out, he got three batting practice fastballs and finally connected on one. Right. That was hit. Yeah. <clears throat> so his stats, the, the nerd test backs it up that Gary Sanchez looks a lot better at the plate. So give me a second to go through some of these numbers. 
from the start of the season in July through September 7th, I know I'm just picking an arbitrary date, but through September 7th, he had 114 plate appearances. He had 13 hits. Dude only That's had ridiculous. 13 hits. How many walks had, in that time? Yeah, I mean, he had a, a 9.6% walk rate, which as a walk rate isn't isn't the worst in the world, uh, but 42% K rate, which is astronomical. He was hitting 130. His WRC plus was 60. His weighted on base average was 250. There, there's no numbers in here. Even his slugging percentage was terrible, 350. Yeah, I know he hit seven home runs out of 13 hits, but he didn't get any hits really. So it's just terrible numbers all the way around. He was trying to pull the ball so much. He was pulling the ball 57% of the time. His hard hit contact was only 36%. He had 19% soft contact, 44% medium contact. Uh, going through some of these other numbers, like just, just terrible, terrible numbers all the way around. But then in his last 44 plate appearances since September 7th, he is uh, he is hitting 205, so not really that much better, but he has a 116 WRC+. His strikeout percentage is down to 22%, which shows me better at bats. His exit velocity is actually still about the same, but when you're not striking out, that means pitch recognition is better. His uh his hard hit percentage is up to 55%, up from 36%. So I just see a lot of things like still not fantastic, still not peak Gary Sanchez, but a lot of these things look way better from an approach perspective, from a comfort level, from from an everything level. Yeah, and and hopefully hopefully they continue to rise because it does. I mean, I this team is better when Gary Sanchez is playing and playing well. Not pl- not just playing, but playing well. When Gary Sanchez is showing the the player that he can be, yeah, the team is better. It's just it's been a very long time since this guy has shown it in a consistent manner. And 44 plate appearances when we're looking at the numbers while while better, they were coming from complete dog shit. And you look at the 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 better numbers and put them and isolate them and you're looking at you're looking at just those numbers. We'd be like, "Damn, Gary Sanchez was struggling in those 44 plate appearances." <laughs> Right, right. right. No, it's, yeah, it's, but, when you but look compared at, when you, to what he was doing, understood. you see improvement. But but that's the thing. Like you look at what he what he has been, and then you look at those forty four. You're like, damn, he's been struggling. Like, what's going on with Gary Sanchez? Yeah, but, but still, even though he's only hitting two hundred five in those forty four plate appearances, one sixteen WRC plus means he's sixteen percent better than league average. The and the, the, the strikeout the strikeout percentage is no the doubt one best of the, thing one of the me. numbers that 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 pops out to me when I'm looking at these uh, numbers that you pulled is the opposite oppo percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, the pull percentage is about the same from the the 140, 114 plate appearances at 57%. And then the last 44 is pull percentage of 55%. So they're pretty close. But the one to me, the big difference here is uh, oppo percentage from 17% up to 20, almost 28%. And that means he is recognizing those those pitches out, you know, over the plate or on the other side of the plate. And now he's not waving at them, but he's actually putting the ball uh, putting the bat on the ball and and you know putting those either into the stands in right field or he's actually been getting some base hits you know going with the pitch actually recognition picking it up and uh, and going the other way and you see that approach with a lot of the Yankees 
That's that's how they're taught. Like you see, you you see them trying to do this, and it's um, Judge Clint Frazier, Stanton, Clint Frazier. They're all going to right field, and it's changed them a lot. The Voight and uh, and Stanton, I believe, it's really changed them and made them much better hitters because they now have the ability to go. Uh, to, it just basically means your 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 bat is in the zone longer, and you're able to make contact deeper and in, into the plate, and 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 have confidence to go to right field. And that's a yeah. huge deal. And, and he's cut his strikeouts basically in half, and he's hitting the ball harder um, 20% more of the time. So the pitch recognition, I think, is a lot better. That's what you, you say an opposite percent, opposite field percentage of his hits uh, is great because he's not pulling off the ball. So, so I think he's on the upswing is what I'm saying. Gary Sanchez, I think, is getting better each day at the plate. So... Uh, Hopefully he continues that into the playoffs and he's not going to be batting in the middle of the order because they have so many other good hitters right now. So he's still going to be batting seventh or eighth, which is fine. But if he can be a seventh or eighth hitter with a 116 WRC plus for the playoffs, that's that's fine. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's not going to he's not going to be thrown up into the, the thick of the order, at least not yet. If he shows another if he if he continues hot streak, you know, through the end of the season, and we see a little bit more and, you know, he gets off to a good start. We could see it. We could see him starting to climb up. I don't know. Depending on a on a matchup, I could see Boone. It wouldn't be crazy to me if him, to throw him into, you know, a 5-6 spot. But that being said, we just need to see continual improvement from him because I do think that it carries over. Like, I think Gary Sanchez is like a, the John Starks of, of baseball players in a sense and uh, that he's streaky all around. Like if he's going well offensively, he's probably going to be going better defensively. It's just for whatever reason, I feel like it carries yeah. through with him. Um, was on, that a Game of sides. Thrones reference? Oh no, that's bad. Nope. It was uh it was a, is a New York Knicks reference from the early nineties, mid nineties. What's the Stark in Game of Thrones? That's the, the house of Stark. This is John Starks. Oh, I just heard Starks. Yeah, no, John, Starks. whatever. I wasn't a Knicks fan in the 1990s and I have never seen Game of Thrones. So you I, can't believe I, me. I hated the Knicks, but, I was a big Nets guy. But you were yeah, a Nets guy. I forgot about that. I was a Nets guy way back. But, uh, but and you were a Devils guy, Devils fan huge, back in the day. Huge Devils fan. Huge Devils fan. I've not so been a you big basically fan. you were you were Jersey all because like also like I feel like there's more um, Jets fans in Jersey. Yeah, it's Jets. Would you usually, agree with Long that? Island and Jersey is where the Jets fans are. Yes. So really, the only like you went opposite as far as like probably a lot of people around you with the Yankees. Um, no, there were a lot of Yankee fans. There's a ton of Yankee fans. I'm, I was way closer to Yankee Stadium than I was to um, to Shea yeah. when growing up. So no, that was. Uh, but the Brendan Byrne was on the way. See, I'm dating. I'm 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 old as shit talking about <laughs> the Meadowlands, like, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. These yeah, the Con- Continental Airlines Arena or whatever it is or whatever they made it to after that it used to be the Brendan Byrne Arena. I saw Jordan play there. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. 
With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. And I've used this before to hire. Let me tell you, $75, you're probably going to get your candidate. You're going to get a ton of candidates with that amount of credit. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Guys, the wait is finally over and football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you could still bet on the game and on the action at Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use your promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to talk about Brett Gardner for a second. So, <laughs> Boone still bats him third. Like, I know, like, Judge was had an off day, Stanton had some off days over the weekend, but. When Brett Gardner is hitting ahead of Luke Voigt in the lineup, I think there's a problem. You agree with that? Yeah, he's not supposed to be hitting in front of him. <laughs> right. So, but but it changes but, it, up, it mixes it up. It throws in another bat. You know, a little lefty bat breaks up the breaks up the righties. Even if all the righties are great hitters, and <laughs> I don't care if if Luke Voigt who Luke Luke Voigt is facing, like get me Luke Voigt to the plate right now, not Brett Gardner. But Brett Gardner has turned his season around. He's now got a 109 WRC plus and a 0.4 war on the season. Okay. So he's turned his season around enough to where he's positive on both of those statistics. Maybe it was Clint because Frazier, he threw him. Maybe it was because he threw him into the number three spot. No, maybe it's because, and, and, and maybe it's because he stole Clint Frazier's, uh, Clint Frazier stole Brett Gardner's job and then Brett Gardner stole Clint Frazier's mock turtleneck. So fine. I guess he got back at him for that. It doesn't matter. Brett Gardner has turned his season around great. Like if he's playing well, that's better news for the Yankees. I'm sure they'll use him in certain spots in the playoffs. But Clint Frazier's the guy right now, still should be in the playoffs. Game one, game two, every game in the playoffs, Clint Frazier needs to be starting in left field, right? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. He's the better player. But do you think Brett Gardner has turned his season around enough to where the Yankees are like, you know what? Probably going to have some injuries next year. That 10 million option on Brett Gardner's contract, or it's 10 or 9 or 10 or 11 million dollars on Brett Gardner's contract. Hey, let's pick that up. You think they're going to do that? Uh, it w- I mean, it wouldn't surprise me completely, but it would surprise me at the same time for staying that the, the, the age is what gets me every single time. Like, you have guys that are that show the ability to play. Let's 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 go there. Yeah, I, at, he some was point, asked about, at some point, you have to move on. And yeah. it feels it's like it's going to be tough because he's a lifetime Yankee and he he's says not he still be a wants starter, to play. Though. That's the thing. He's not going to be a starter. And, and but he, he wasn't really supposed to be a starter the last two years. And he's turned into starter because of injuries. Right. So if he's if he's a a bench guy that's coming in and playing, you know, because, again, Aaron Hicks also there's there's the oh, um, they're all injury prone in the yeah, every one of them. You're right. Um, but yeah, it depends. But you got it, I, I think it, here's the answer. If you believe in Mike Talkman, 
then probably not. If you don't believe in Mike Tauchman, then there's a very good chance that they still they bring him back on a one-year contract. Do you think the Yankees believe in Tauchman? I'm... I think that they believe in him as a uh, like a fourth, fifth outfielder. Okay, but that's what he's going to be. He can play all three outfield positions well. And if Clint Frazier's left, uh, Hicks in center, Judge in right, and I, and still, I'm okay if they go if they want to like come up with a rotation in right field for Judge and Stanton, where they op the opposite DHs. Maybe that's the the approach to go. Like each each gets 80 games. In, or each gets 75 games in the outfield and 75 games at DH. And they play 150 games if all goes well. Like, maybe that's the way. But if you have those three outfielders and then you have Talkman as the fourth outfielder, I don't see how Brett Gardner, why you would pay Brett Gardner $10 million to be a fourth or a fifth outfielder. He said he wants to play. He was asked about 2021. He said, I would love to play. The season hasn't gone how I wanted from a number standpoint, but recently I felt much better. I definitely don't want my last games played to be in front of no fans. I would love for my family to have a chance to see me play again. How are you going to feel if he's playing for the, the Kansas city Royals or the Seattle Mariners or the Tampa? I feel like Tampa Bay might sign him. <laughs> the, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's going to be a weird thing, but at the same time, you have to look at this. You can't get nostalgic about, you know, your guys when you're when you're trying to put out the best team. So I, I mentioned that they they see Talkman. I think they do believe him as like a fourth, fifth guy. The problem is, is that when people get hurt, now Talkman's got to play every day and he becomes... He hasn't proved he could do that this year, but he proved he could do it last year. He proved that was the only time ever, ever, ever that he's that he's had production in an isolated time. So I'm really okay. I really, really have a hard time going back to that every time when everybody's like, oh, Mike Talkman was this. Like literally the guy was in Mike Trout conversations with a bunch of the nerds. And I, think the nerds I think the it nerds I think the nerds like I think Cashman and his nerds like Mike Talkman. I think they do as well. And, and that's why they that's why they went out and got him. But at the same time, is he a guy that. That, that could be sustained, you know, th- those numbers cannot, they, they just can't be sustained. He's not that guy. He He's he's more of an in-between. He's a defensive replacement that's got a little bit of a bat. So then do the Yankees go into the season assuming they're going to have injuries? Because they are. Like, we're, we're there's just going to be injuries with this team. And we say, well, we're going to need Garter because he's going to need to play 100 games at some point. Again, I could see them going either way. It really, it's a tough one for me. It's a, it's a toss-up. Um, if it's a, it's, it's, it's a really, really, really big toss up because I know how the Yankees work and I know how Cashman works and he likes his veteran guys and, and Brett Gardner is, you know, doesn't, doesn't seemingly look like he's breaking down physically at all. The guy's in phenomenal shape. He can do a lot of things. He could come in and play the outfield. Well, you know, he's a guy that you would have confidence plugging in on a, on a, on a day where someone else can't start. Like, I feel like they would have a lot of confidence in that guy. Sure. Sure. I, the, I'm leaning, if he ends the season well, I'm leaning towards that they just have to figure out this jumbled mess in the, in the outfield, and they do re-sign him. But I think Clint Frazier taking the job firmly uh, means Gardner's chances of coming back are less and li- like less likely. For sure. there's There needs to be a caveat in this whole thing. Like Clint Frazier needs to be the starting left fielder every day. Yep. That's, yep. that's his job. Yep. There's no, there needs to be no question about that. And it's also insane right now. Like, if you want to nitpick the lineup, like, why is Brett Gardner hitting ahead of Clint? Fr- Brett Gardner should be hitting ninth if he's in the lineup. It's fine. It, you know, whatever they they the, the lineup the the construction of the lineup. I'm not even getting that worried about it because I know what Boone does. He changes things up just for the mere fact of changing things up. Okay, but for, for he game likes one of the he playoffs. likes having Frazier turn it over in in the nine spot. 
Game one of the playoffs. Everyone is is healthy. Knock on wood. How are you organizing the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going based on the, well, I have to see who's pitching. I think that's potentially a factor. I don't think that really matters. because well, If okay, I'm Aaron so, Boone, you're asking me if I'm Aaron Boone. I'm, I'm playing Aaron Boone. It matters. I got to see who that guy is, and it depends who, on the, who the are matchup. You, who are you substituting based on a matchup? You know, might want to throw that lefty in there. Might want to throw that lefty over in there. Over who? Who's Brett Gardner going to start over? We just said he's not starting over guard or, uh, over uh, Clint Frazier or Aaron Hicks. He's not starting over Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton. I mean, so, look, I don't care I, who's I, out there. there are there are dis- there are disagreements in the lineup that I would not make. Like I would have uh, Hicks in the leadoff spot. That's not I because would. of his on because of his on base percentage. I want DJ LeMahieu in a in a uh, in a situation in the first inning to put up some runs, like multiple runs. I, so I was on that when Judge and Stanton were out, and I was like, you know what? Why not just go Hicks, Voit, then LeMahieu? But if all of the guys are healthy, man, LeMahieu's a beautiful two hitter. But that's kind of an old school tool two hitter though. That's like a 1999 two hitter, not a 2020 two. Anyway, he's, yeah, but he's a 1999 two hitter that hits you know 25 home runs a season now. I am now. I think on board with Hicks ninth, Lemayhew first, Judge second, Voit third, Giancarlo fourth, Glaber fifth. Clint Frazier, sixth, Gio Urshela, seventh, Gary Sanchez, eighth, and then Hicks. So you, you literally have all right-handed hitters and a switch hitter. But those are your your nine best hitters, or the guys I just mentioned. Yeah, and that's fine with me. I mean, either way, you're going to put them up at the top. I just like the construction of um, when when uh, Aaron Hicks is getting good, hit, uh, good pitches, when he's got all those guys behind him, he's going to get pitches to hit. And if, if he doesn't, uh, he's going to take the walk. So he's a... And he'll be on in front of DJ LeMahieu because he's the ninth hitter now. Right, but my, my, I'm, saying, I'm saying in inning number one, inning yeah, number yeah, yeah. one, because in, when you're talking about the playoffs, you can't be stringing together these opportunities that don't exist. Like they're they're very they're very small opportunities. If you could jump on somebody in the first inning by by having a guy that that will either take a walk or if he's getting the ball over the plate, like probably had a good swing on it. I, I like him in that spot. So I think you, you have actually a, a decent opportunity to attack first inning with him in the in the leadoff spot. Did you see? Did you hear the stat uh, on the broadcast yesterday that Tyler Wade has appeared in the most Yankees wins this season, and Aaron Hicks has appeared in the most losses? We're doing plus minus percentage now for for uh, baseball <laughs> players. It was like I was like I don't know what to make of that because yeah, Tyler Wade's just, and that's also because he's come in for defense and all that he stuff. He plays so a like, bunch of positions, so he's got more opportunity to play too. So like, if the Yankees are winning, he just comes in to play the ninth inning at shortstop or whatever. It's like okay, yeah, he appeared in that game. I don't know if he really impacted that game. It was just one of those stats. I'm like, I don't know about that stat. I don't know what we can really take away from that, Michael K. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I like the convenient. Tyler Wade stats. I'm I'm here for them. <laughs> yeah, I know you're here for the convenient <laughs> Tyler Wade stats. Um, all right, so the I want to get to the playoff uh, playoff uh, seating right now, but it actually kind of goes with our mailbag questions. The first mailbag question is from my dad. Oh boy. So I was having a text conversation with him. You've seen me. Yesterday. You've seen me buy coffee every single month. It's I'm I'm automatic now getting uh, yeah. Uh, um, if I have to do this by myself, I'm getting roast, roast Master Rick on on the on the goddamn mic. 
a couple orders like we get like one who's not you like one or two trickle in using code bronx on richardellen.com yeah we haven't even talked uh, about it in a while but yeah, yeah. To, to trickle in we're, we're working our way up to 100 orders to get my dad on the podcast you've been loving the italian roast it's phenomenal i'm drinking it right now it's very good it's so, like legitimate very good i'm not just saying that to your face because you're sitting here right now no and i appreciate that no but like so for people who are wondering like well why would i why would i order uh the coffee so if you buy coffee in a grocery store from any of the the chain green mountain coffee if you buy starbucks coffee in a grocery store it was likely roasted about five or six months ago if you buy coffee from my dad it was roasted within the last 14 days so it, it's insanely fresh okay it, it is it's delicious <laughs> So my dad was talking about the playoff rotation and how you would organize it. He said, looks like Hap pitches game three if the first series goes three. Cannot pitch an inexperienced rookie getting lit up by a double-A Red Sox squad. <laughs> and I said, Hap has been the, less, the best pitcher the last month, ERA down to 3.25. And he says, who would you want to have pitch? And I said, let's see how each of their last starts go. Probably I would go Cole, Tanaka, Garcia, Hap. If they reach the ALCS, they might need a fifth starter because of no off days. And then first, my dad says, first series against Minnesota. If there's a winner take all game three, do you start the rookie or the veteran? And I thought it was a good question. Against Minnesota. Against Minnesota. We don't know if it's going to be at Yankee Stadium or at Minnesota yet. They're, they're going to play Minnesota. I love it. Just these two ships going to collide. They always collide. So... um we just don't know where it's going to be because they're the, they're jockeying for the four seed. But if they don't get the four seed, they're going to get the five seed. Then they have to go to Minnesota. It's a good question, I think. If, if Cole pitches game one and they win, Tanaka pitches game two, they lose. You got a winner take all game three. Are you going with Devi or are you going with J-Hap? I think those, those are the two options, right? Montgomery's not looked good enough to, to start in that He's situation. looked good lately, though. He's looked good lately. Haps look better. I don't think I don't th- let me let me preface that. I don't think he's in the conversation though. Yeah. So it's Hap, the veteran, who you skipped so you wouldn't pay him $17 million next year, or Garcia, the rookie who everyone's excited about, who has been great. Yes, he did just get lit up by the Red Sox, missing location. He went away from his curveball, which I found a little concerning. He kind of just abandoned it in that game. He couldn't ha- didn't have the feel for it, I guess. And then the one he threw to Chavis got hit a mile. So yeah, who are you starting it? Who are you starting game three winner take all against Minnesota? It's a really good question because the, Minnesota does have some uh, some filthy right handed bats too. When you look at the the construction of that lineup, the the guy you know there, there there's a couple guys in there that that are just absolute. Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson, those two Miguel Sano just hit stop, but, just hit stop after Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson because those two guys to me are are like two of the more dangerous like. I don't feel good about this guy when they when they walk up to the plate. They give me like oh. they give me just bad feelings. The way that uh, Ortiz almost used to not not to that extent because the history is not there. But they're dangerous, dangerous. Nelson Cruz is just a freaking professional. He just bomber. keeps hitting. Yeah, he just keeps hitting. And and, and John's, but ever since Donaldson got hurt and came back, he's he's been pretty good. Surprisingly, the splits for Minnesota as a team they're better against right-handed pitching. That's fine. Again, I I go down to more uh, of the micro moments in playoff situations yeah. almost. Do you want Jay Happ pitching against Nelson Cruz with first and third? That's what no. I'm thinking of. That's no, the, I don't. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of now. So 
Yeah, that that's the problem. Nelson Cruz scares the shit out of me. Like the one guy throughout that lineup scares the shit out of me. It's Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is the guy. He's a veteran guy that just mashes everywhere he goes. So he's the guy. Davey Garcia is an unknown to them. Got the little, got the little, you know, the little hip turn, the little three quarter turn um, to hide that ninety two mile an hour fastball that pops up on you like it's ninety nine. I kind of like that. I don't know how long that's going to play within, you know, two to three at bats. The second round of at bats, Nelson Cruz might be dialed in and taking that thing to the moon. I don't know. Do you do you piggyback the two? Potentially three. three. I I think lightning in a bottle in that situation. I almost want to go with Davey Garcia to start the game and having Davey Garcia and is having, your future and you have a future J Hap ready to go because I like I like the makeup. I like the makeup of both players, to be honest. I think they're both have the potential of, of going into a big game and doing well because of the moxie. Uh, I think that half has that. A lot of people don't believe that, but I do. Well, wouldn't it be just so unbelievably ironic if they start him in a winner take all playoff game after skipping him this season? Does that like, hurt or help the arbitration case? I, say, I don't know if it even impacts it, but I think he will file a grievance in the offseason. Right. And 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 part of that will be they trusted me to start a game three winner take all playoff series and I have a three point two five ERA. I've earned my seventeen million dollars. And you know what? Guess what? I don't know that he's wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, you, I'm not saying I want him on the team for seventeen million dollars. Interesting question next year. on Yankees podcast Twitter. You said I sure would pay seventeen. And it wasn't a question; it was a statement. I would pay seventeen yeah. million dollars for a, a three point two ERA or three point four ERA. Hell yeah. Yeah. It just so happens that I, there's I a name on J-Hap. that. I didn't say J-Hap. I didn't say J-Hap. I know, but, but, but that's, but a mid three but that's ERA, what the, I'm paying for that. That's what the guy has been for the past month. I know. He's been it's crazy. dependable. It's crazy. This is uh, the guy that this is the guy that I saw at the end of last year starting to come in and unfortunately got off to a bad start. Because if he didn't get off to that bad start, we're like, this is an easy sign. We want this guy anchoring the back of our rotation because he's a, a veteran guy who can get deeper into a game. Like it's exactly what you want with some of uh, with almost. So they're gonna either they're gonna sign Tanaka potentially either sign Paxson. Just look at those two, and yeah. then you have this Hap option. Line the three of them up now. Put the potential money in there. Who are you taking? Just put the well, numbers up there. I'm taking. I, I, I would rather Tanaka? Have Tanaka. No, yeah, definitely Tanaka. Tanaka's having a good season too, but also just from a, a trust standpoint, like I don't trust Jay Happ in a game three winner take all. I, I'm not sure I trust Debbie Garcia because I haven't seen enough yet, but I know I don't trust Jay Happ. <laughs> it's like the question, what do you want for dinner? I don't know, but I know I don't want Chinese food. Right. I don't know who I want to start, but I know I don't trust Jay Happ. Okay. And Jay Happ is sitting there with his 3.25 ERA saying, how do you like me now? So here's an interesting wrinkle. Would you get tricky and start Cole game one, Devi or Hap game two, assuming you win game one with Cole, then start Devi or Hap game two because there's no pressure when you're up 1-0. If you close it out, beautiful. If you don't close it out, you have Tanaka starting game three, winner take all. If you do close it out in game two, you have Tanaka starting game one of the division series. Do you get tricky? No. Okay. Don't get tricky. Just just don't get tricky. I don't like being tricky in, in, in 2020. Tricky doesn't work. <laughs> Hap was on the pregame show with Sweeney Murdy over the weekend, and he said that uh, he was talking about the bubble because the Yankees are not going to be able to go home this week. 
they have to stay in a hotel even when they're back home in New York playing Miami because they there are all teams going to the playoffs need to bubble before the bubble pre bubble. But he said he's only seen his family, his wife and kids once since the season started. I'm assuming he means since summer camp started. So that's a three month period where he's only seen his family once. Um, I haven't really heard many other guys talk about that aspect of it. And I don't know specifically why Hap isn't seeing his family because I know like other people, they're staying at home. Like Garrett Cole is at home with his wife and kid. So I don't know why Hap Hap lives in Illinois. I know that. Uh, so okay, he, well he then that's live. probably why. Yeah, that's pro- but like his family could have come to New York, where his apartment or his house or whatever. I mean, he's making seventeen million dollars. He can afford an apartment in the city. But like that's interesting. But then, but then you're, you're also putting you're you're now you're like putting the, them at risk. Yeah, putting them at risk, putting him at risk as well because they've been out and about potentially. I don't I don't know their situation. It's hard to talk on that. But um, I thought it was a nice doesn't, human doesn't, but doesn't this moment. doesn't this just. Doesn't this just lend you to how much of a professional Jay Happ is? He's like, I'm willing to not see them because just in case, just in case, I got to be on the field for my guys. I got to be there. And you know what? There's a there the percentages. The nerds tell me that the percentages go up if a, if my family comes in rogue and and spends the weekend with me or spends a couple of days with me that I may not be able to make my next start because I pop. Doesn't yeah. doesn't that make you like Jay Happ more? Or is he just trying you know to get his? Do you know what makes me like Jay Hap more? I just need, I need to get that seventeen. He's like, what's his wife's name? I don't know. I let's don't know. Uh, let's. <laughs> I almost said Karen, but let's not call her Karen. Oh let's, no! Let's call her. Let's call How her Jackie. You. Jackie, seventeen million dollars. Do not come here. If I pop, I will not get another start. <laughs> seventeen million dollars, Jackie. Stay home with the kids. Um, you know what makes me like Jay Hap more is his three point two five ERA. Yeah. So. The playoff rotation question, I think, is interesting. I think both Devi and Hap make starts, assuming they get to the second round. I don't know what they're going to do if they do need a fifth starter. I don't know that they will need a fifth starter, but I guess Montgomery goes to the bullpen. You've also got Luis Sessa, who has looked good uh, as a long man. I don't know. Michael King hasn't been pitching great. I, I, I think he'd probably still be on the roster because... He can give them innings. So would you um, would you put a guy like uh, Michael King on the roster or a guy like Clark Schmidt on the roster? To me, uh, they, ha- they haven't pitched. Clark Schmidt hasn't pitched. I know, but when you're looking at that, that particular situation, it's almost like give me the what upside. Is, uh, but what, what are each of them are going to pitch in? Like if you're getting blown out or are blowing a team out, and you don't want to waste good guys, going to pitch him in a ten run game or yeah. it's the fifteenth inning. Remember, no extra inning rule in the playoffs. So you could just have long, long extra inning games. Give me, I know Michael King's numbers don't look great, but give me the guy who's at least pitched decent amount of major league innings. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Just given the situation uh, between the two of them and and the game situation that they would be in on uh, King makes sense. The next question is from Arnolfo Ledsma. What do you think of the Yankees master plan carrying Kratz as a third catcher, but really their secret bullpen weapon with that filthy knuckleball. Things nasty, man. As a as a guy who's been in the big leagues for as long as he has, catching as long as he has, been up and down major league rosters, minor leagues. You know, there's been a lot of time for him to to work on this uh, on this knuckle curve. Plus, he's- we've all worked on knuckleballs. I mean, everybody who's ever played baseball has worked on a knuckleball. Sure, at least some, oh, but some. but Eric Kratz has definitely done it a hell of a lot higher percentage than anybody else. Because I of think the if you give him if you give him a full off season and say perfect that knuckleball, I think that could be a pretty good knuckleball. 
the, uh, he threw a couple really filthy knuckleballs. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm a little worried that he's gonna that he's gonna uh, sign with the Red Sox and turn around their rotation next year <laughs> because they they need pitcher. to plug in so, uh, you know a, a knuckleballer for for them to you know have any chance of doing well in the playoffs. He's such and Eric Kratz, God, he's gotta love this guy he threw a knuckleball over jd martinez's head obviously accidentally and midway through the like as the pitch was leaving his hand he goes oh look out <laughs> he's he's just like no and then he grooved him a fastball and jd martinez hit it over the green monster but uh eric kratz too nice to be a starting pitcher probably too nice to be a starting pitcher yeah and and almost too nice to be a catcher behind the plate he's the he's the um he's the guy from from uh uh, from Major League, who was just like apolog- just apologizing <laughs> consistently for uh, for doing the things. No, it was uh, it was fun to see the it was fun to see the knuckleball. Like I I, I think he could absolutely I agree with you. I think he, that could be a weapon. So that game, obviously, the Yankees were getting blown out, but the eighth and the ninth inning with Kratz pitching and the guy breaking into Fenway Park, screaming from the the camera section of the Green Monster. I mean, that was a wild half hour of blowout Yankees baseball. The most exciting part of the weekend to me was when all, all that happened. And you could see both benches were like getting up on the top step. What's this guy saying? Yeah, what's that camera guy thinking when there's a dude He's like a crazy gotta be man scared shitless, yeah. right? Yeah, probably. Because, I mean, even not during the, the COVID pandemic, just some random guy comes in screaming something that's scary. But this guy somehow broke into Fenway Park. If he scaled the back of the green monster wall, Props to him. He did not. He, I've, I've. Fun fact is, I've broken into the uh, into Fenway Park through the monster. Let's hear the story. Well, it was a, it was. There's a, there's a door back there that sometimes is locked, sometimes is not. Sometimes. It, so it, on the on the back end of the Green Monster on Lansdowne Street. Yeah, I don't know the name it, of the street, but whatever that street is back there, I was, I think, a couple years out of college. My one of my good buddies, Devon, lives in, uh, lives in Boston. I went up to visit his brother. Is a. Uh, is a cop or uh, was a cop at that point uh, in Boston and had uh, the Fenway detail on that given night. So they, the door was relatively, it was open. It was left open. We broke in, we got in. Uh, it was on purpose, but we got in and I could see how it's easily gotten into though. And then we got ushered basically from seat to seat. It was pretty ridiculous. But there were no monster seats at that point, right? There were monster seats. There were so there was a guy there's a guy guarding the escalator to go up to the monster. We got past that guy with no problem. Although we were we were now uh being we were basically being brought around the the, the left field area and center field area with a uh, a personal detail essentially. They were <laughs> kicking people out of their seats to put us in their seats. Uh, Do you remember and, and what they were, year they were going specifically? Back and forth. I don't remember what year. I was pretty drunk. It was in my twenties, somewhere in that area. But it was. Um, we got up to the monster. I heard a. Uh, we, they were playing the the Red Sox were playing the Orioles in that game. It wasn't a Yankees game. I was just up there visiting my my buddy, and um, someone hit a a ball off the monster. Someone on the Orioles hit a ball off the monster. So that was cool because we were up top in those seats, and you could hear the you know the bong you know from when the uh, it, the ball. It's hit. a fun place to sit as a novelty, but. The, then you realize like, oh, I can't see anything happening in left field. Yeah, yeah. All I really wanted was someone to hit a ball against the wall so I could hear it. Yeah. And I got that. So that was cool. The guy that broke in was screaming freedom. And then Boston loves New York. He mentioned 9-11 and the Boston Marathon bombing. So as crazy as he is, I think he actually had a positive message to the whole thing. Was it? I don't know. Yeah. The, can't trust the guy's message when they're, when, they're, uh, when they're that guy. I don't know. 
lunatic. But think uh, about how old that place is. Does not surprise me that anybody can break in. Yeah. The uh, next question is from Eric. Oh, God, this last name. And he's a regular Shankoff. emailer. Is that how you say it? Shankoff. Shankoff. Okay. Sorry, Eric. Eric S. Um, I've talked to him a bunch, too. <laughs> how do you think the Yankees will react to the new Mets ownership? Do you think there will be a reaction? No. I don't Did you it. see Buster Olney's uh, article? Not re- I didn't read it, but I saw the tweet. He, oh, you're that he guy. Said, you're, you're now supporting that. I only saw it because Nick, uh, Nick Kirby from George's Box replied to it. Um, but uh, they, it was uh, the message of the article was why Steve Cohen should steal Brian Cashman from the Yankees. Oh, boy. The uh, how do we react to it? I, I don't have a reaction to it. I mean, it, I guess it's a good thing for the Mets because now they have a lot a lot of money and they're not going to be as, you know, dependent on, uh, on on bad contracts or reliant on bad contracts and not being able to move, do things. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, they always had money. I think, but what they're now, they have an owner who's not afraid to spend the money. That's really, that's that's the point of having money is the ability to spend it. So to me, if you're not able to spend it, it's not there. They had money. Yeah. Every, anybody who owns a, a franchise has money, but. Well, it, no, because like the, 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 the devil rays literally cannot have a $200 million payroll. The Mets can have a $200 million payroll. The Wilpons just refuse to spend money on, on, in certain situations. Steve Cohen's not going to refuse. If anything, if Steve Cohen, gonna, if but here's the point: if Steve Cohen bought the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, they could have a two hundred million dollar payroll. Um. Well, I don't know that he would be willing to do that with any team. I mean, you have the Mets; they're a New York franchise. There's so much merchandise and licensing and and revenue that comes with being a New York franchise that is not there with a with a Tampa franchise. Who knows? A couple of new marketing uh, marketing schemes. You, you get the right people in there, some big names. Might find some people. There's still a lot of people in the area. Um, so, yeah, as far as like the reaction, I, I don't know. If I'm being honest, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed because I wanted to see A-Rod own the Mets. Uh, yeah. that, that's where <laughs> I, I, that's I would where be I so much more excited if A-Rod yes, was, was owning Because I wanted to see what would happen. That for no other reason, just to see. Oh, what entertainment! Would I mean, dude, baseball is entertainment. Yes, and that would and have the been Mets. That's the type of entertainment I want to see from the Mets. <laughs> uh, last one from Kyle Radley. He's a regular, um, regular sub, uh, email submitter. I believe it was the off season after 2018. One of you proposed a trade for Donaldson Lemay, who was having a great year. What were the details of that proposal? It was actually after the 2019 season. I proposed the Yankees send Clint Frazier. And Jay Happ while eating half of Jay Happ's money for Donaldson LeMay. And I justified it because the uh, Padres are rebuilding and or trying to compete, which they are competing this year. They need outfield help because they didn't have a good outfield in 2019. And they need veteran starting pitcher. And for $8 million, maybe Jay Happ isn't that bad. Well, doesn't matter who they offered. Donaldson LeMay has been one of the best pitchers in the National League. So at least give me credit for identifying that Donaldson LeMay had good stuff. Had talent. Was he their number two prospect in their system at that point? Besides, no, no, because he he had been like he had pitched in a few seasons and like had injury issues, and so like he wasn't really like a high end prospect for them. He was a guy. He was like a probably a t- if I had to guess a a ten ish prospect for them. Okay, so you're looking at a um oh yeah because he was up uh, in 17. Did he have Tommy yeah. John surgery after that? Is that what happened? I think so. Yeah, I mean yeah. 2019. You're looking at the uh, even the game started for him. I mean he's at a 4.7 ERA. So you're you're basically Look at his giving stats up. This year. I'm looking at his stats right now, but you're you're a two two uh two 
two, almost a two ERA. Look at the um, strikeouts per nine innings. Strikeouts per nine is uh, 89 strikeouts per 65 innings. That's decent. <laughs> um, but he's also, you know, he's in the National League. Who knows? The, uh, yeah. But there's I mean, a DH it, now. I will, I will give you the fact that he's a, he's a, he's a good player. That's a, that's a good pitcher. I'm not giving up yeah. Clint Frazier for uh, I would give up Clint Frazier oh, if you're looking are you kidding at, me? for a number one pitcher. Yes, absolutely. But for the way that Jay <laughs> okay, Happ is pitching you. too, you know, yeah. Jay Happ. Diff- uh, Jay no, Happ's yeah. a difference maker. Maybe we're not in the playoffs without Jay Happ. No, if they got Donaldson LeMahon, he was pitching to a two ERA and striking out 89 batters in 65 innings, the Yankees would be just fine. Yeah. Here's the thing. The whole point of that trade, why the trade was bad, was that San Diego wouldn't make that trade. I guess not. And you know what? That's why I'm not a baseball general manager, Scott. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Continue to submit your mailbag questions for games against the Blue Jays. So I think they said that Tanaka and Cole are going to make their starts this week, but it's going to be their last starts of the season. So they're going to have extra rest before the playoffs. Yeah. Any are, concerns are, are with they, Aren't they also giving them a day, an extra day? Wasn't that uh, the, the topic of conversation, giving them an extra day in, uh, before the starts as well? So Tanaka, well, yeah, because Tanaka Monday, be six days. Technically, Cole should be pitching Monday today, but it's going to be, I think, Michael King. Right. And then so Cole will pitch Tuesday, Tanaka Wednesday, but then they're going to have extra days off before their next starts, which will be against the Twins. But it's cutting it down. It's cutting it down for for the time between the start. Yep. uh, On the back end. And listen, I'm not concerned at all about Tanaka, like extra rest Tanaka. Great. We have seen that be fine or at least a, a net neutral impact for him. I just don't want to deal with... I'm not worried about Cole either. I don't either, but like, what if Garrett Cole's rusty and then the talk is like, oh, he's he's extra rest. He's a creature of habit. That's why he's missing location on his fastball. Who cares about the talk? The thing is, is that this guy is going to be prepared so freaking well for this game uh, that it doesn't matter to me. Uh, He can have 10 days rest and I think he's going to be phenomenal. All right. right. I agree. (laughs) That's it. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.